0: It's crossover Thursday, which means the host of the Locked On Packers podcast, Peter Bukowski, is here to join me as we take a deep dive into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers week six matchup against the Green Bay Packers. Coming up now on the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back, Flux Nation, to the Locked on Bucks podcast brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi made for football watching. I am your host for today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, David Harrison, writer over at SB Nation, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for BucksNation.com. My normal co host, James Jarko, is off for today's episode. You can find James and I over on Twitter at JRCO underscore Bucks at D Harrison 82. Find Bucks Nation at Bucks underscore Nation and of course find the show at Locked On Bucks. Whether you are a new or returning listener, welcome to today's show. Please Go over to your favorite podcast platform of choice. Click the subscribe button to catch all the Lockdown Bucks content. Give us one of those five-star ratings if you see fit, and it will help other Buccaneers fans like you find the show. Today, we've got a great interview coming up between myself and Peter Bukowski, the host of the Locked On Packers podcast for our Crossover Thursday episode here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're going to get straight into it now as I'm joined by Peter Bukowski, host of the Locked On Packers podcast. Peter also hosts one day of the Locked On NFL Mm -hmm. show, so another place where you can go get some of the great work that Peter is doing. Uh, Peter, thanks, as always, for doing this. And uh, my first question for you really is, we all know about the hype the Buccaneers had coming into the 2020 NFL season. You saw it from you know your Packers perch, uh, so to speak. Five games in, how do you feel like the Buccaneers have measured up to the hype, and how do you feel like they're going to look moving forward and, and answering some of those questions that they've had?
1: Oof, you are going to have your audience against me right from the start, <laughs> huh, David? Uh, I have to be honest, I am waiting to be impressed. And I, I come from a little bit of a slanted angle on that because I came into the year not having high expectations. And so I guess part of that is, is me getting to sort of say, I told you so like, Hey, I didn't think this was going to go as great as everyone seemed to think it would. And they've done nothing so far to prove me wrong. Um, you know, they, they they have three wins and two losses and that's better than, you know, the reverse of that, I guess. But I haven't seen the, Hey, this is, this is a team that can compete with, uh, the top teams in the league so far. Now, the NFC looks much weaker than we thought it would. The Cowboys turns out um are, are not a very good team and and obviously now with the brutal injury to Dak Prescott, they're not going to be in the mix. The Eagles are are way down from where we thought they would be. Even the Saints are down, the 49ers are way down, so I still think they can be in the mix in the NFC, but I'm still waiting for them to play like the team that they were built coming into the season and of course because I am saying that that is exactly what they will do on Sunday against the team that I cover. <laughs> Buccaneers fans would be extremely happy uh, to see that <laughs> if that was the case. Uh but on the flip side I'm sure side they'd be things, nice to me on Twitter about it even, you know, if that was the case. They would be totally reasonable, totally rational, be fine. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Um on the flip side of things, the Green Bay Packers, I mean, 4-0 atop the NFC North. Uh, but they've been doing it, which makes it a little bit more impressive without guys like Devontae Adams and then Kenny Clark. Uh, first about Devontae Adams, I mean, so he's he's been out, but the Packers are still putting up points left and right. I mean, do you do you feel like the the return of Devontae Adams is just gonna h- kind of help propel this team, you know, into the next kind of stratosphere? I mean, they're already putting up 30, 40 points in, in a lot of these games. I don't know how much further they can go. I don't know if the return of Devontae is gonna lead to a 60 point. Outburst, <laughs> but I mean, just 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 let Buccaneers fans don't who maybe really don't happens. know, maybe they don't f- play fantasy football, don't understand just how important Devontae is to this offense. And I mean, what is it? Because it can't. I mean, I, I get that Aaron Rodgers is you know the magic man or whatever, but it can't just be on Aaron's arm, can it? That the that the Packers have still been able to do this losing Adams and
1: losing Lazard. No, that's the cool thing is it hasn't just been on Rodgers' arm. Rodgers' arm has been uh it's sort of the icing on the cake the offense has been masterfully designed and called by Matt LaFleur. And that was starting in week one. And that was when they had Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard and a full complement of receivers. And you're going, okay, this looks different. The misdirection, the motion, the play action, the shot plays, and, and the gimme plays. Okay, let's, let's create a bunch of formation and, and a crossing route against man coverage. All day against the Lions and just run it until they can prove they can stop it. In week one, the the Vikings sold out to stop Aaron Jones. You play a lot of single high safety, drop that man into the box. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is going to beat you down the field. Next week, you you try and play that, that two-shell coverage, man coverage all day. All right, here he comes with the crossing routes in the passing game and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in the run game. No matter how teams have tried to defend this Packers team, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have had answers. And even go back to Monday night, no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard. And they hang 30 uh, against Atlanta, including a fourth down stop at the one-yard line on on fourth and goal. So you're talking about throwing to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Malik Taylor, and guys that are not starting on any fantasy team by anyone you know, David, right, right. <laughs> and they're putting up th- these kinds of points and it's because the offense is so well designed and Rogers and Lafleur are on the same page with it. Whatever conversations we needed to have last off season about, Oh, uh, they're trying to figure this out. The audibles, the pre-stamp stuff. It's all, it's all in the past, whatever that was, uh, it's over because the the product on the field says they're on the same page.
0: Sit tight, guys. We've got more coming from Peter Bukowski, the host of the Locked On Packers podcast. But before we get to that, we need to talk about today's title sponsor, Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football-watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi, made for football watching. All right, guys, we're back here on the Locked On Bucks podcast crossover Thursday with Peter Bukowski, the host of the Locked On Packers podcast. Buccaneers fans are, are, are either really happy to hear you say that or are just kind of driving themselves a little bit more crazy that coaching matters. Uh, play calling on the Tampa Bay side of things has not exactly been a high point of, of praise for the for Buccaneers fans. Um, but flipping over to the Packers defense, Kenny Clark left week one, hasn't been back since. Uh, at least on this side of things, we expect him to come back. Uh, we had Scott Smith, the, the senior writer and editor of Buccaneers.com on our show yesterday, and he dropped an interesting stat that I wanted to get your, your impression on. And, and see if the, the play on the field and, and the man himself reflects the data. So he went back to 2018, and, and what he said is that when Kenny Clark is not on the field, the, the Green Bay Packers are getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks 22% of the time they drop back to pass. When he is on the field, it's a 14% increase to 36%. That's that's quite an increase when you're just talking about one player being on or off the field. What is it that, that Kenny Clark brings to this Packers defense that, that – Impacts them that much to 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 put pressure on opposing quarterbacks because anybody who knows Tom Brady, you know, to a little extent knows that pressure up the middle is the worst thing for him to have. So if Kenny Clark is on the field and he's he's impacting it to where over a third of his pass uh, drops are are being influenced by the Packers defense, that's going to be a problem on Sunday.
1: Yeah, Kenny Clark is an automatic double team. I mean, the the same way that Vea has become a guy who you have to put two bodies on, or he's going to collapse the pocket on you, or he's going to break up a run play. That's what Kenny Clark has been doing for the last few years. And if you single block him, he's going to win his matchup. I mean, in all likelihood against against most guards, against I think every center in the league, you'd give the advantage to Kenny Clark. And what it does is when he's on the field and the progress that Rashawn Gary last year's first round pick for the Packers, uh, the, the progress he's made. Then you can play the, the Mike Patton NASCAR package and you can play Kenny Clark and Zedaria Smith inside with Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary on the edges. And by ESPN's pass rush win rate, Zedaria Smith has been one of the top interior pass. He's been one of the top defensive tackle pass rushers in the league, even though he's an outside linebacker. So when you have that, who are you doubling? And whoever you double, you're leaving Uh, three other guys one-on-one who can consistently beat their man so that's the difference and you if kenny clark is off the field you don't have that kingsley kiki has come in and and been more than just an awesome name he's been an impactful player the last few weeks but he can't replicate what kenny clark can for this team
0: absolutely and yeah and and buccaneers fans have have enjoyed seeing Vita vea doing what he's done obviously gone for the season so watching kenny clark uh you know if he is a full go for the packers this weekend probably going to draw some jealousy from them. Um, But switching over to the Buccaneers defense, obviously they've got a tall task ahead of them with the Green Bay Packers passing game. Of course, Aaron Rodgers. Currently this season, he's completing over 70% of his passes. The Buccaneers secondary is allowing completions on over 70% of passes attempted against them. Um, However, if if there's a bright spot there, they have also intercepted opposing quarterbacks uh, more than more than many teams. Uh, third, third most in the National Football League with six interceptions so far. This defense knows how to turn the ball over. This quarterback knows how to not turn the ball over. The only thing that we kind of see where they match up is that Aaron Rodgers completes a lot of passes. The secondary allows a lot of completion. So obviously, one of the keys to this game is going to be the Buccaneers secondary getting one of those you know fabled turnovers from Aaron Rodgers. If there's a member of this secondary, if there's a feature about this secondary that you think can actually get the drop on Aaron and get one of those interceptions... What is it and and who is it or who is it on the on the buccaneer secondary that makes you think that that could actually happen? Does it have to be the secondary?
1: No, actually, it absolutely does not. Well, I, the reason I ask is because I, I just think if it's going to happen, it's going to be one of those plays where Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers think they have something schemed up beautifully. And Levante David is there to read it and makes a break on the ball to a pass in the flat. Or on an arrow route or something like that. And and that is the kind of situation that that we could see Aaron Rodgers, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, does not have a turnover worthy play this season, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Uh and, and so it's gonna be difficult uh to be in a position to to create a, a turnover off of off of Aaron Rodgers. Now we've seen, you know, Russ got his first one off a tip off a drop that would be another reason to to vote for one of those linebackers because they're the most likely ones to sort of get one of those gift interceptions he's not going to put the ball in harm's way and you know the the buccaneers uh in terms of epa per dropback, are number five in the league so that the completions are not hurting them because they've been able to not give up big plays right. and they've been able to rally to the football and they've been able to create those turnovers as you've said so when you're able to create those turnovers, um, that certainly helps your your EPA per play, uh, and they're number one in success rate. So that means down to down, their defense has been very good. The flip side of that is the Packers offense is number one in the league mm-hmm. with a bullet in terms of um, their efficiency and, and their EPA per play. I mean, it's it's almost crazy how much the, the gap is. In, in fact, if you look at EPA per play with the Packers offense, uh, the gap between where the Packers are at one and the Seahawks are at two is roughly the same size as the gap between the Seahawks at two and the Cardinals at 11. Nice. That, that's how big the gap is. Uh, so, I mean, it, this is strength on strength. And it's going to be a really fun matchup on Sunday.
0: Flipping over now to the to the Packers' pass defense. I mean, again, they're allowing more than 70% of passes against them to be completed as well. But going back to the stats you were just talking about, almost even more so for the Packers, they're not the big impactful passes that they're allowing. Where they do kind of dwindle down in comparison to the Buccaneers' defense, if they, they've they only had two interceptions against opposing quarterbacks. So looking at those those passes, look at the quality of passes that are being completed against the Packers' defense. If Tom Brady comes out here and, and completes seventy percent or more of his passes, even if they aren't all of you know the, the great big you know uh, variety and all that stuff, but the, and they can't get an interception against this Buccaneers offense, do you feel? How do you feel this defense is going to to need to step up if if those numbers stay true to form in their fifth game in order for the Packers defense to do enough to keep the Buccaneers from winning? Uh, what everybody kind of expects to be a shootout.
1: Well, I mean, you you want to create that interior pressure. Obviously, that is Tom Brady's kryptonite. It has always been his kryptonite. Um, what we have seen over the last few games from Brady is also that propensity to make one or two throws that he shouldn't make. And whether it is miscommunication, whether it's, you know, um, one of these these backup receivers running the wrong route, or, you know, he's trying to fit a ball to the far hash on, a, on an outbreaking route... We haven't seen, you know, the sort of flawless execution from Brady in this offense, the way that you know we did in New England. And part of that is a new system. Part of that is, I think, um, a little bit of a an undisciplined nature that that permeates this Buccaneers offense and defense for whatever reason. Uh, as we talked about, one of the most penalized teams uh, in football, and I think some of the the miscues, mental mistakes, are are there in a way that Tom Brady just isn't used to. So. Creating that turnover would go a long way, certainly, and stopping the run, and that's something that the Packers haven't been able to do. The Buccaneers, luckily, have not been a great running team this season, and so if Green Bay cannot turn what isn't really a strength for the Bucs into a real weapon, then I I think that goes a long way. It seems weird to say it, but if the Packers can go into this game and say, Tom Brady has to beat us, I I think that's the best way for them to win this game. Yeah, that definitely sounds
0: weird to hear, but I mean, it does make a little bit of sense. But as far as that Buccaneers running game, they have had a back-to-back 100-yard rusher. Ronald Jones getting 100 yards on the ground in back-to-back games. The first time this franchise has done that since 2016. So that kind of demonstrates how uh, how much the Buccaneers run game has really kind of struggled over the years. This game is expected to be a shootout. I think pretty much everybody expects it to be a shootout. The over-under on it right now, uh, according to my book, is 54.5 points, and it's a 2.5-point spread. So you're talking 25, 26 points per team as is, is what they're projecting. Uh, if, if the Packers, you know, they've, they've done a good job of winning shootout so far this season. So probably, you know, I don't think anybody covering the Packers or the Packers themselves in the locker room are nervous about getting into a shootout. But if there's one part of this Buccaneers offense that will make you nervous, Peter, that the Packers might not be able to keep up if they can't stop, you know, whether it's a play, a scheme, a set, a player, what part of that Buccaneers offense makes you pause uh, when you, when you think about the Packers
1: winning a shootout against the Buccaneers? The ability to push the ball down the field. I mean, big plays, it's like three-point shooting a basketball. Against a team that can shoot the ball, you're never out of the game. And so, a team with Mike Evans and let's say Chris Godwin plays, uh, you know, Scotty Miller even can make plays down the field, former track star. If they can get a couple of those shot plays, um, you know, if they can get to some of those play-action plays, and we saw it in the second half against the Chargers, uh, we didn't see it so much against the Bears, but they can they can create a 60 yard play and that's kind of the Bruce Arians offense this down the field lighted up kind of mentality and and so if you're green bay you have to you have to guard against that and whether that means playing two deep safeties whether it means playing more zone coverage uh whatever it means you know maybe bringing a little bit more pressure so Tom Brady doesn't have the opportunity to sit back and make those plays uh you know we'll we'll see what their approach there is from Mike Patton, but it is something where I think uh, you have to make the Bucs go 10, 12, 15 plays. And Green Bay has been really good at doing that this season. Um, opponents are having to drive the ball down the field. They're not able to get um, the, uh, you know, the quick scores. And Green Bay has also been really good at forcing three and outs. One of the best teams in the league, in fact, at forcing three and outs. So if you're able to be in a position... To either make the Patriots, excuse me, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady brain, right? Uh, Make the Buccaneers um, give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers in in a hurry or drive the length of the field. Then you're in a much better position to win the game.
0: We're going to wrap up today's conversation with Peter Bukowski, the host of the Locked on Packers podcast, here in a minute. But before we do, I need to talk to you guys about Rock Auto. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do it yourselfers, but RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest price possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login to use it. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Back now to wrap up this Crossover Thursday, Locked on Bucks, Locked on Packers. David Harrison here with Peter Bukowski, the host of the Locked on Packers podcast. Thus far through the 2020 season, uh, Buccaneers in the bottom half of the NFL in yards on first and 10, and uh, also in the bottom half of the NFL in converting third and five or more uh, so so definitely a key point there for the Packers defense I'm sure they're going to try to force Tom Brady to, to operate in those circumstances more often than not uh, then Peter just got two more questions for you but the first one really so you know Buccaneers fans they, they know Aaron Rodgers they probably know Aaron Jones Devontae Adams uh, you know we've already talked about some of these guys who's a lesser known player that Buccaneers fans don't know that you think is going to be a key factor in this week six matchup
1: hmm that's a good question. Um, well, if, if you didn't if you didn't know the name Robert Tanyan after the Monday night game, maybe maybe you will after Sunday night, uh, Sunday late afternoon, I guess, um, because he has become a key member of this offense. They've been able to scheme him free, but he's also just won his matchups. I mean, he beat Deion Jones for a touchdown against the Falcons, and. Deion Jones isn't any less athletic than someone like Levante David or Devin White. He is is an outstanding cover linebacker with athletic traits. And Tanya just beat him on an in-breaking route. And his ability to run, his ability to play from the slot, to play in line, to play even on the boundary – creates all sort of matchup problems for opposing defenses and the Packers have multiple tight ends they can put out there. And so if you're going to play big against this Packers team, they're going to say, "Okay, cool. Then we're going to we're going to spread you out from 12 or from 21 and make you declare coverages and and make you put a linebacker on a running back. If it's not going to be one of these tight ends, then I, I, would, I would also say Jamal Williams is someone to keep an eye on. He was a big part of the passing game against the Falcons. He's been a big part of this offense going back to last season. And he, I, I think he sneaks up on teams because he has this reputation as a power back. But the Packers hit a whole shot to him in cover two last week. We were just going, wait, what? He was split out wide and they ran four verts. From from big personnel. I mean, some of the stuff they're doing is really cool. And it creates this dissonance that we're that we're used to seeing with these players where they're in positions where we're not used to seeing them. And they're running routes, for example, that we're not we're not used to teams running. And so that can create all kinds of problems for, for teams. And so, you know, I, I think, like I said, white and and David are, are outstanding players. Uh, I think Levante David is is perpetually one of the most underrated players in the NFL full stop. But to put them in a position where they're going to have to cover a lot more space than they're used to, um, you know, it could still be a positive matchup for the Packers as talented as those guys are.
0: Yeah. And if Buccaneers fans were mad at you in the beginning of this in this interview, they're definitely happy with you now that they've heard your take on Levante David. They will all <laughs> I love him. I've agree. always loved him. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I mean, you point out a lot of things the Packers doing that are, I mean, they're tendency breakers and that's kind of the cliche way or the simplest way of putting it, but they are to the, to the, to the fullest extent, uh, talking about cliches or talking about tendency breakers, Peter. And I got to ask you, this is my last question before we get out of here, go back to April, uh, talking about breaking tendencies, pretty much everybody, I think under the sun expected the Packers to at least get some weapons for, for Aaron Rodgers there early on in the NFL draft, of course, instead taking Jordan love. And, and and doing, you know, basically getting everything they got. But then they come into this season. And I don't think everybody got to the point where they thought, well, the Packers are just done now. And they're just never going to make the playoffs again. Aaron Rodgers might as well retire. But there was, I mean, there was some catastrophizing happening when, when people looked at the Green Bay Packers draft. But now, uh, like we've already talked about multiple times. I mean, they're atop the NFC. They're they're 4-0. They're atop their division. They they looking fully in control of pretty much every match that they've been in so far. Um, I mean, how do you feel about this Packers team, go back to April and what everybody was saying and what, what even what you were thinking yourself about what was happening (laughs) and how they are now, as we enter the the middle of October, you don't have
1: clips from those uh, draft night podcasts, Steve. I don't, I don't. Um, Good. No, uh, I think with, with the benefit of some hindsight and, and it was a a realization I made quickly in the moment you were, you're going, what they, they, they took who from where? and, and and almost i mean that was the case with Josiah DeGuara. that was like it was like that was a fringe name in my consciousness for the draft um i had i had obviously studied Jordan Love and AJ Dillon but uh it it seemed at the time that what the packers were trying to do was move more in a Kyle Shanahan run first um play big let the quarterback only make some plays go more play action and you know protect against a quarterback whose skills may be declining that seemed yep. to be what they were pointing to right and that became the national Absolutely. narrative that yeah. this is what they were looking at and this is what they were doing even by really smart people I mean people I respect the hell out of were talking like that and the more I studied it actually in the offseason um and and it, it frankly it didn't take that long but um I, I I study this for a living, so it's different for me than than, the national media is that they were going to play more from big personnel to throw and they were going to create those mismatches and they wanted to play more with two running backs. They wanted and they said that they wanted to play more with two tight ends, but not so they could run the ball a bunch. They were one of the most pass heavy teams on early downs and neutral situations last year in the entire league. And what's more, you don't you don't uh, subvert the role of your quarterback after you also take a quarterback in the first round. Mm-hmm. If you want to run an offense that, uh, that subverts the, the role of your quarterback, then you don't need to trade up to get one, right? It, it, you can, you can have Jimmy Garoppolo or Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard in there and, and run the scheme. It's more about the scheme. No, what they were able to do is upgrade the system to fit the players rather than upgrading the players uh, relative to the system, and and it's worked out beautifully because they can go to these big sets and go empty. I mean, they they did it a bunch. They they played empty against the Lions a ton, and teams that want to play man coverage, they're going to see a lot of empty, and they're going, but they're going to see a lot of empty with two running backs, three running backs. David on Monday they played three running backs. They invented thirty one personnel to put on the field. <laughs> And Tyler Irvin is, is sort of a running back receiver hybrid, but still yeah. what they've been able to do with their personnel. I just don't think we could have seen coming, um, in terms of the creativity and the elevation of this scheme. It definitely has a different feel. I think, I think we can say this and I'll, I'll end my monologue here. Um, I think they were right to believe more in the players on their roster than we did. And then I did, I'll say that. Um, But at the same time, I think they still could have extracted more value in this draft from day two. Um, A running back that is not playing um, and an H-back is not how I would have allocated top 100 pick resources. You know, if they take Jordan Love, but then take Antonio Gibson and Brian Edwards Mm -hmm. or, you know, Josh Jones to be the right tackle of the future, I have a much different feeling about how they allocated their resources. So they were right in a way. But I still don't think that defends everything that they did in the draft right now, though. Who cares? Because they're playing great. Exactly. And I think that a lot of us would would be happy if people don't go back
0: and dig up our Packers takes from April. Uh, <laughs> I mean, again, just kind of goes with the theme, right? March into the, the beat of their own drum. They're in there. Yep. Uh, that staff is in there doing their thing. And it's going it's going beautifully right now. So it's, it's hard to argue even if because I'm with you, man, like if I if I could go back to april and, and you know i don't know insert myself quantum leap style as the gm uh or you know the guy making the decisions there in the packers war room i cannot say i would be brave enough to put together the draft class that they have but i mean like you said it's hard to argue with the results and at four no in mid-october who cares what everybody said in april we're worried about what they're going to say for the rest of the season uh and peter of course that starts with this this game uh sure to be a very entertaining game obviously buccaneers fans hoping that's more entertaining for them because it means they came out with a win but i think no matter what uh Buccaneers fans who think they know the Green Bay Packers, I think, are about to see a version of the Green Bay Packers they probably won't recognize. Uh, but it's it's for good reason, I, and I look forward to it. Peter, thank you for joining us. So, uh, on this on today's episode, of course, let everybody know where they can follow you because whether it's whether they're Packers fans, you know, we, NFC Central fans, or they just love football, you're a guy they should be following
1: and listening to on a daily basis. I appreciate that. David, of course, Locked On Packers every day. Uh, as you said, the Monday uh, Locked On NFL. So recapping everything that that goes on. I've, I've already had David on that show. It's the local experts with the biggest story. So whatever the, the big things that are happening on Sunday, uh, we're going to talk about them Monday morning with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts that know best about what's going on there. And then uh, my writing, uh, you can find it at Acme Packing Company at Packer Report. Um, and, and I, I freelance around the internet. So, uh, Twitter is the, probably the best place to make sure you're, you're following along, uh, at Peter underscore Bukowski. Absolutely. Thank you, Peter, for your time. Appreciate it, David.
0: All right, Bucks Nation. That's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Peter Bukowski, host of the Locked On Packers podcast. I know I did. And, of course, as always, with every crossover episode, we'll learn something about the team that the Buccaneers are going to be facing off against this weekend. Come back tomorrow, Friday. James Jarko and I will be back with our final thoughts heading into this week's six matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. We'll give you our final thoughts. We'll make our bold predictions, select our key matchup of the game, and we'll make some score predictions. Until then, of course, find me on Twitter at dharrison82. Find James at JRCO underscore Bucks. Find the show at Locked On Bucks. Find everything we're writing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over at BucksNation.com and on Twitter at Bucks underscore nation. We will talk to you again tomorrow, Bucks Nation. Until then, be happy, be healthy, be safe, be good to each other. And thank you so much for joining me right here at Locked On Bucks.